Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Lungo, coming to your ears from NARM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's learn together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Doing Well. And on this week's topic, we are talking about the autonomy mindset, taking control for a stronger self. Now, to me, this is a particularly interesting topic in this day and age. And um, I think our guest today will help us to fully uncover the mystery behind the autonomy mindset. I think not a lot of us have heard about this before. Um, so please join me in welcoming Dr. Paul Napper to our virtual studio. I have to say, I really appreciate Paul's time because he's on vacation and he's agreed to do this. And he said it's fun. It's not actually work. So, you know, this is how I know this conversation is going to be great. Um, and so by way of introduction, Dr. Paul Napper is a psychologist focusing on human performance. He is also an author and a leadership expert. He works with business leaders, helping them to be more effective in leading organizations. And he co-wrote a book on human agency titled The Power of Agency, which is perfect for today's topic. Uh, so I'm curious to learn more about this. And thank you for joining us today, Paul. I would love to introduce you and get you to share a bit more of your professional journey with our audience. How did you get here? And why did you, why did you choose the, this topic to be you know, sort of your expertise area? How did you know that this is your calling, let's say? Well, it's a great question. I, I started out uh, working on Wall Street after college um, in the financial business. So um, learned a lot about business and felt in some ways like I was, all my needs weren't being met. I was very interested in people and how people make decisions, how people uh, take action, how people work with other people uh, to make uh, a, a positive difference in the world. So I decided I really wanted to go deeper on that and, and, and went back to graduate school in psychology, got a doctorate in psychology. When I finished my degree, uh, I started looking at consulting firms that did work with business leaders in organizations, um, and got hired immediately by a firm in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and, uh, never looked back. So I've been doing this kind of leadership development coaching, uh, work for the past, uh, 20 years, almost now. And along the way, wrote a book with another psychologist, a fellow psychologist. We're very interested in the topic of agency. Agency is the, the, the sort of power we have as human beings to create lives, um, according to our interests and our values. So it, it really is the power that resides within us that allows us to think, uh, and make the kinds of choices in our lives that that create the lives that are most meaningful to us. So we were really interested in this topic as psychologists. Obviously, it's something that everyone, every human being can relate to. Um, and so that's kind of how I got, got here. And uh, I was so happy, Lou, when I heard from you and uh, get an opportunity to address your audience 
you know, in, in Australia, it's really, really quite, a, quite, a, quite a, an honor to be here today speaking with you. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I have to say we have colleagues all over the world as well, not just in Australia. Nice. So, oh, nice. you know, um, our colleagues are uh, our first and foremost audience. And we also have um, a pretty global audience, too. So I really? think this oh, is, I didn't know that. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a pretty universal topic. You know, so it's not just something that we only learn in. Let's say we only talk about it in Australia and in, in, in the country. Um, it's not that I think maybe the cultural nuances might dictate that it's a bit different here and there in terms of how we approach agency um, or, you know, the autonomy mindset. But um, overall, I think it's it's a pretty universal topic. Everyone can relate to this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every every human being has has agency and uh, and sometimes it's easier for them to to access that. And and sometimes it's not so easy. For them yeah. to access their their full agency, so yeah, we have a lot to talk about today. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a it's a very big word, um, but also a very interesting concept to learn learn more about. Uh, before we do that, we'll get us we'll get to know you a bit better, and we have this section called "Have you met Paul?" I'll get you um, to say to just say a few words, um, share some recommendations. Just the first thing that pops into your mind when I ask you these questions. So the first question is about book. What is a book you would recommend? Well, that's a really uh, that that's a really loaded question. I would obviously recommend the book I wrote, but yeah. <laughs> aside from aside from that, um, you know, I'm actually reading uh, two authors at the current moment. One is uh, Joan Didion, uh, who's an American author. Uh, Joan Didion recently died. She is um, really, in some ways, famous for being uh, a myth buster. She kind of probes very deeply, analyzes uh, anything she focuses on and kind of explodes various myths. So she's a, she's an American author, you know, quite, quite good. And then I'm reading a completely different uh, person named Jonathan Ames. Uh, Jonathan Ames is someone actually I crossed paths with back in uh, my school days. And um, he's been on a tear writing a, a lot of different books in different genres. He's recently started writing detective uh, novels, which are really outstanding. Um, and I, I found myself, as a psychologist, I found myself drawn to detective novels, sort of mystery detective novels, because I really like to see how people perform under pressure and how they how they figure things out. And uh, really good mystery novels, detective novels, um, you know, they they really explore that. In a deeper way, in an interesting way, always you know interesting stories. Right? I'm reading de- I'm reading Jonathan Ames' recent detective uh, novel, and I'm also on a more serious now reading Joan Didion's uh, a number of her her books. Um, so that's what's on my bookshelf right now. Yeah. Well, I asked for one recommendation, and you gave us two, so that's great. Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of like branching out between um, fiction and nonfiction in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. I like it, both. I, yeah. I learned a lot from both. Exactly. It's really fun too, um, to kind of switch in between. Sometimes I find that just reading nonfiction all the time can be a little bit tiring, especially when, you know, if you really care about personal development, you read a lot on that topic and then you're kind of like, oh, maybe a little break from that might be fun. And um, it's kind of sparks the love of reading again. So that's what I've heard no, from a lot of people. Absolutely. And, you know, really important point, the thing about fiction is it takes you out of yourself, 
right? And so a lot of times when you're reading nonfiction, you know, you're learning something and you're thinking about how that applies to yourself. Um, but when you read nonfic, when you read fiction, you're entering into somebody's world, yeah. somebody else's world, and maybe a different culture. And um, it's in it, so it 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 it's expansive in a different way than absolutely the non nonfiction. So yeah, yeah, no good point. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So next question. I'm. I wouldn't be surprised if you kind of do the same thing uh, when you recommend a movie with to us. Yeah. I. Um, first of all, I'm a huge movie fan. I. I see a lot of movies, um, and I recently uh, uh, saw Oppenheimer, which is making the rounds, um, and also uh, Barbie, which is also making the rounds. And I would recommend both of them, um, particularly Barbie. Strangely enough, Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer sounds like the more serious uh, of the two. Um, but, you know, Barbie has some really interesting um, kind of cultural, uh, you know, critiques that are very yeah. subtly worked in that, that are that are that are that, that anyways, everybody's talking about it. So so yeah. I, uh, they, you know, and, and Oppenheimer is um, one criticism of the movie, slight criticism of the movie is they, they really over dramatize everything so much in the movie that it's a little bit distracting. Um, but anyway, for a lot of people, I think it will, they'll, they'll, they'll be engrossed by it and learn a lot by it. So yeah. I would recommend both of both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's, that comes as no surprise, but at the same time, it's still important to talk about because yeah, my colleagues and I talk about it all the time. My friends and I talk about it all the time. It's been, you know, happening the past few months. Um, but yeah, I agree. Barbie has been really interesting because I did not expect uh, walking into the cinema learning that much about this world, you know, or just get, getting a reminder um, of, of what is important. And in fact, I actually, before I saw the movie, I saw the quote um, that the mother was saying in, in the movie and I didn't know where it was coming from. And I was just kind of like, whoa, this is so true. And it's hitting home really hard, especially for women that can relate with this. And I went into the cinema and I, I heard her say that. I was like, whoa, so th that came from this movie? I did not expect that. Did not see that coming at all. That's really cool. Well, what's interesting about Barbie too is it relates to our topic today, Lou. It relates to autonomy and, yes. and agency, and yes. uh, right, and yeah. obviously to to women and tradition, the traditional roles of women versus you know who who women really are and what they really want out of life. Yeah. And so, anyway, so it's very much related to. Yeah, I would say Barbie in, in, in of the two movies, Oppenheimer and Barbie. I think Barbie's more is, is even more to the point of our yeah. of the discussion you and I are going to have today. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. My uh, All my friends recommend Barbie and they're kind of like, just don't go see Oppenheimer, <laughs> just see Barbie. That's all, uh, that's all that's worth it. So I, I followed that advice. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. And not just Barbie, by the way, I think one important thing to point out is even Ken in that movie, uh, you know, that, that narrative and that story of Ken is also really related to the topic. And maybe when we get to the questions, we can make the reference. Um, but the next question in this part is about a podcast. So you're obviously our, our guest today, but I wonder which podcast you would recommend to our audience. You know, I really like uh, a podcast by a guy named Chris Hayes here in the US. His podcast is called Why Is This Happening? Mm -hmm. And he just takes a current event and dives deeply into that event. Usually it's a newsworthy event, 
And, and he asks the question, why is this happening? And I've been increasingly using that expression uh, because I think for all of us in the world today, which, you know, becomes more complex, um, you know, by the minute, sometimes we really benefit from pausing and reflecting on that question. Why is this happening? Yeah. And so I like, I love, you know, he's really refreshing and, uh, you know, so, so I, that's one podcast I really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that sounds interesting. I'll put that on my, uh, to listen list. Thank you for that. Now, next question is about your role model. Um, if you don't have a famous role model, I would love to know if you have a personal role model or you can recommend both. You know, I, I do have a famous one in mind. Um, <clears throat> it's a, U, it's a former U S president. Um, Abraham Lincoln, and I think about him a lot as a leader because he had such an incredibly challenging, uh, he was leading the United States during a particularly challenging period in history um, when actually a civil war was going on in the country, which is, you know, by our, from today's perspective, it's just, it's really almost impossible to imagine the country you're living in going through a civil war where yeah. you have, you know, people shooting at each other. Um, but I think a lot about how he found the uh, resiliency and, um, and the ability to bring the country together. Mm -hmm. And um, so so he is someone I think is really worthy of uh, reading more about, you know, how did he do that? And um, what was he like? I mean, he was obviously a person with a very high level of agency. And, um, you know, he listened to a wide range of people. He didn't, um, he didn't play politics so much. He really kind of, um, listened to both sides and, um, he had a very clear sort of way of operating as a leader. So he's probably, uh, you know, the person I would cite as my most famous role model. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And final question in this part, what is a course you've completed that left a really strong impact on you? You know, when I was an undergraduate in college, I actually, um, I minored in Russian affairs and I took uh, Russian history, I took Russian literature courses. And as the war with the Ukraine has been occurring, I've been thinking a lot about those courses. I've been thinking a lot about what I've learned about Russian history. I've been thinking a lot about all the Russian literature I've read and yeah. try to understand better, you know, the, um, some of the cultural influences, um, you know, that are driving the war that, 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 that are occurring, um, you know, within the Russian, you know, kind of culture and, mm -hmm. and the, the sort of political history of Russia. So, so that's what I would say is I've been thinking a lot about, uh, mm -hmm. the classes I took way back when I was yeah. an undergraduate in college. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's certainly an interesting class. And yeah, like you were saying, it kind of helps you to get some more perspective as to what's going on in the world right now. Um, and yeah, well, kind of on topic. It's back to that point about why is this happening? You know, it's yeah, like exactly. a little bit, I, I made that connect when you said that, Lou, I made yeah. the connection. It is, yeah. it is kind of helping like, why is this happening? What's, what's going on at a deeper level? Like, exactly. why is this? Yeah. Why is this war happening? So anyway, yeah. So mm -hmm. that that's that's something I've been thinking about a lot. Yeah, I was about to say it. It's, it came right back to that recommendation that you made, and it's so relatable. 
Um, but yeah, I think we could all use some more of um, that, you know, dig deep thinking, you know, even if we didn't get to study a certain course uh, back in the day, um, it's the time is now, right? You can always pick up a course or pick up um, something Absolute, new to learn absolutely. to understand pick why a, something is happening. Yeah, pick That's up a book. That's right. Totally. Exactly. Um, and so today we are going to talk about, you know, the autonomy mindset or, you know, in, in shorter terms, agency, as you call it. Um, it's it's kind of a big topic, but in the context of well-being, obviously, we want to focus on how that's going to relate to, you know, our well-being, how we're going to sort of manage and carry ourselves throughout the day. So before we go into um, that particular bit of the conversation, which I'm sure will be very interesting, let's talk about well-being. How do you personally define well-being, Paul? Well, you know, I define well-being as to what extent are we able to express our agency in the world, which what I mean by that is, are we able to make positive progress in terms of moving our lives forward and creating lives that we most want to live. And so when that gets blocked, um, when we feel um, thwarted or hopeless or stuck or, um, you know, anything is getting in the way, um, our well-being declines. So I define well-being as, you know, when when, when we were in physical and, and mental balance as people, which enables us to access our, our, our agency. So our ability to, 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 you know, to direct our lives, to make good choices and to put those choices into action. So when we're sort of at our best, when, 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 when we are truly in a state of well-being, um, we have access to that power, that personal power. Um, so I don't, you know, so, I, but, but it does require us to be more in balance, right? If you're super depressed, super, super angry, um, you know, super exhausted, um, which means, you know, your body is not, you're not in balance. Uh, you're not going to have full access to your, 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 your agency, your, your power, um, and your well-being is going to decline. So, so I, I look at well-being as really kind of being related to, you know, are we, are we in balance? Um, and do we feel we have, um, full access to our, our power? As people, mm. yeah, that uh, that is definitely a new definition on this show because you know, a lot of the times we when we talk about well-being on the show, we talk about physical well-being, mental well-being, emotional well-being, and all those different aspects. But when you mention um, the the power of agency and our well-being, I think that is so true because when you really think about it, if we're not in alignment with ourselves, um, our well-being will definitely just fall out of whack it will it will be um like it will still be there because well-being does not disappear but obviously it's going to be a lower level of well-being and sometimes we don't realize it a lot of the times and this this goes straight back to conversations i've had with a lot of uh, my friends recently where we kind of feel like we're on autopilot sometimes and that is probably the complete opposite of the autonomy or the agency that we were talking about um and the circumstance matters, you know, what's going on in our lives matter. Um, it's not just up to us alone, but I think we can totally make the decisions to change or shift things around when things don't go as planned or when things are really impacting our well-being, which is actually, you know, quite true because 
if we're just in the backseat, then um, our well-being level is definitely going to be lower. And I guess this is something that a lot of people are kind of saying, oh, you know, like this is happening in my life and it sucks and it's horrible and, you know, my well-being is just not great and they don't do anything about it. And, you know, that I think that's, that's where this topic would be super helpful because I guess as humans, we could all agree that we all go through different things in lives and, you know, not not everything will work out as planned most of the time. So what do we do about it to make sure that our well-being is there and it can stay balanced or, you know, it can even be improved? Um, so, yeah, I really like that definition that, that you make. And since you've worked with a lot of people, I wonder what you notice to be some of the biggest misconceptions that they have when it comes to well-being. You, you know, I think some of the biggest mis misconceptions are that, um, you, you know, that well-being means that you should be happy all the time um, or feel satisfied all the time, um, you know, or that um, well-being is um, attached to achievement, that, you know, you you only have well-being if you are uh, meeting your, you know, your achievement goals. So I think that, um, you know, life has many twists and turns, right? There, there, there are things that uh, we face as humans that we control, there, that we have a lot of control over. There's certain things that happen we have uh, much less control over. So we're constantly in, in a, you know, trying to adapt yeah. to things. And when we're in a state of well-being, it, it helps us to adapt. It helps us to roll with things to make sense of things as they're happening and make good choices for ourselves. Um, and um, so some of the misconceptions about well-being is, you know, I want to be completely in a stress-free zone and happy all the time. And and that's not really, so well-being doesn't, in my mind, imply that you should be happy every minute or that you should have no, no stress in your life and that nothing should affect you, um, you know, that, so that's a big misconception. The other thing about well-being is, um, you know, people who see it as, as an, as, as an end in itself, as an achievement, right? So they're seeking perfection. You know, yeah. I, I want to get to a perfect state of well-being, you know, and, and it, so that becomes, um, you know, yet another thing they get perfectionistic about. I think that can be a dead end. Um, and sometimes people connect it to materialism. You know, if I have more more money and more more things, um, I will, by definition, have more well-being. And that's completely not true either. So there's a yeah. lot of misconceptions about what well-being actually means, mm -hmm. in my view. Um, yeah. So good question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're so right. And some of those misconceptions have been addressed on this show before. Um, some are kind of, you know, new areas that we probably haven't dug deeper into. But I think today we're talking about, you know, autonomy mindset, right? And um, I, I, get, I think it's interesting because on the one hand, you're kind of saying, you know, like when you have that sense of agency, that's when you kind of have your sense of well-being. You can drive your well-being towards where you want it to be. Uh, and then at the same time, we were kind of saying, you know what, it's not always going to be you know, sunshine, rainbow all the time. You know, there are going to be... You know, lots of ups and downs and it's actually up to you to kind of have that um 
knowledge, and also going right back to the definition, the um, the autonomy or the agency to actually make things happen or shift things around. Because, you know, we can sit in um, the hurt, the pain or the, um, you know, the, the state of feeling complete chaos and having no sense of well-being at all and just let it be. Or we can choose to, you know, change things around and, you know, make things better. Um, it's it's always a choice. And, you know, we, we have that power. So first and foremost, I know we are, you know, we're kind of talking about autonomy mindset and agency, uh, but let's define it first. And I know the, the original question was, how do you define autonomy mindset? But um, I wonder if there's any nuance or differences between that particular concept of autonomy mindset and the agency that you're talking about are the terms interchangeable you know are they the same or perhaps is there a little bit of difference here and there when we actually talk about them no that's an excellent question um i'm glad you asked um because no they're not exactly the same thing and and they 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 really can't be used interchangeably but they are related um the two concepts are clearly related um but you know um autonomy is you know, our ability to be uh, independent, um, to, um, you know, kind of carve our own path. And, um, and so it's, you know, autonomy, I see as being much more related to self-reliance, um, to being, you know, personally very resourceful. Um, agency is different. Um, agency is more all-encompassing it's broader so um so autonomy is an aspect of agency at times you know we really need to operate autonomously we need to have um you know we need to trust ourselves we need to have confidence in ourselves um you know to to act uh independently at, at times you know as to to fully express our agency our power in the world but there are many times when agency requires us to connect with other people and to learn from other people, to get support from other people and to operate, you know, uh, in conjunction with other people. So not autonomously. So that's where there's, you know, they're related agency and autonomy. Um, but, um, you know, agency, again, I would say is is broader. Mm -hmm. um, than autonomy. Because there are times when um, clearly we're not fully autonomous, when we, you know, we need to cooperate, we need to um, operate, you know, less independently and, and in conjunction with other people. Um, but then there are those times, as I mentioned, where we do need to take independent action and, and, and be, be autonomous. So, you know, so in other words, you, you know, no one can be autonomous all the time. Right. This just that wouldn't work. Um, you know, we are social creatures as human yeah. beings. Right. We were embedded in in social uh, situations and in, in, in the cultures we grew up in. And, and all that's good. That that actually helps us. It helps us to access our personal power, um, provided, you know, we're, we're doing it in the right way. So yeah. does that answer the question? Do you think I made that clear? Yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty clear, and perhaps we can touch on agency a bit more now because clearly, you know, the topic that we promised the audience uh, was about uh, autonomy mindset. But I'm curious about agency because you said autonomy is sort of an aspect of agency, and it's so much of your work. So I, I don't think it would do justice if we just ignore it and not 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 talk about it at all. Um, so 
with that, what are some of the other aspects of agency, you know, beside the autonomy mindset that we just talked about? Yeah, no, great question. And, you know, I think agency is, you know, at, at, at the most fundamental level, it's our ability to make uh, good choices and and put those choices into action. So, so, so fundamentally, that's what agency is. It means that you, some, it relates to something you said a moment ago, Lou, when you said, um, we always have a choice. So, so agency as a concept implies that no matter how dire the situation we're, we happen to be in, no matter how limited our options may be, there is still a choice. There's still, there's still almost always something that we can um, do or choose to do in terms yeah. of how we're going to act and respond. Um, so with that in mind, as, as humans, um, the, the idea with agency is that, you know, when we make good choices for ourselves, um, and put those choices into action, um, we create positive things in the world and positive things in our own lives. And so that fundamentally is what agency is about. It's, it's about how, how, how do we as people become better at making choices and you know good choices and also how do we get better at acting on you know putting those choices into effect right into making those things happen in our lives so so there's a lot agency is a lot i mean it, it, as i said it's a big topic it is um, and there's certain and there are many things that need to be in place kind of foundationally for us as people to fully access our agency um, our, our power and autonomy is one of them. I mean, at times yeah. we really do need to take an independent stand, mm -hmm. take independent action, you know, think more uh, autonomously, act more autonomously, um, but not all the time. Yeah. So, so that's, that's where they are. They're very much, you know, sort of related, but mm -hmm. yeah, agency is really, you know, it's, it's, a, it's essentially about how we as people, um, you know, kind of create um, the lives we have, you know, as individuals, but also it, how we as people create the societies we live in. Um, and, you know, in effect, the entire world we live in is all, it's all, a, it's all a function of, of our agency as, 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 as humans. Yeah, definitely. Well, since agency is such a big topic and it sounds like we should all benefit from it and we can all benefit from it uh, when we understand how to harness its power. And you mentioned that autonomy is one of the, let's say, key anchors to it. Um, let's dig deeper into autonomy because that's what we're here to talk about. So, uh, you know, I, I, I saw that our research team kind of mentioned autonomy appears a phys, phys, psychological need. Apologies, <laughs> tongue twister. Autonomy appears as a psychological needs in our lives. So why is that and how does it impact our well-being? Well, people want to feel in control of their lives, right? I mean, you know, you want to feel like you can be the director in your own life, right? That 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 if your life is a movie, um, that you're that you're actually the director of that movie, right? You're making those you're making things happen, um, and so people want to feel that they're capable of adapting to the challenges they experience um, in, in their lives and, and and not only just adapt, but they also want to feel like they're able to um, 
thrive, right? To, um, to kind of, um, you know, be creative and, um, build a meaningful life. And so there's a psychological need. I would argue that we all have to feel like, uh, we can do that, that, that we actually have the ability, uh, to, to do that. And when that's blocked, when we don't feel that, when we feel like we, we can't for whatever reason, in terms, you know, whatever is getting in the way, um, you know, then, um, you know, we, you know, we, we, we struggle, right. It, it becomes, that becomes very difficult. Um, and you mentioned when people feel stuck or they feel like they're just being carried along on automatic pilot and they're not directing things. They're not, they're not, um, in control or, uh, you know, that, 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 that produces, um, can produce anxiety, right? It can make the person feel, uh, you know, kind of worried and feel like, oh no, what's, what's happening? Like, why, why am I, why am I feeling like I'm not really directing the course of events in my life? What, mm-hmm. why, you know, what, again, why is this happening? So, so, so I, th- I would argue there's a deep psychological need for us as people to feel like we have some measure of power and control in directing our lives. Yeah, definitely. I think that's such a great point. And I like the analogy of, you know, if life, if your life's a movie, you're the director. That's really cool because um, when you think about it that way, it's probably going to be a little bit more fun for people because sometimes I think, especially as adults, uh, when it comes to life, people kind of like, oh, like I have to do all of these adulting things. And, you know, like, like I'm in control now, I'm in charge now, which is, which can be kind of scary, actually. So yes, you know, being autonomous is a psychology, a psychological need. It's very important that we are in control, but it can also be scared because the good news is you're in control and the bad news is you're in control. So, <laughs> you know, um, I think that that's where we kind of need to learn to, to how to how to do it in the first place. Because, you know, I think for a lot of people who are in transition, let's say um, kids who start to go to college and you start to be by themselves for the first time. I have a friend like that who um, you know recently started to adult on her own and she's kind of like, oh, it's kind of fun. But then at a certain point, she's like, oh, but it's kind of different too. Because, you know, like now I have to do everything. Um, I'm like, yeah, welcome to the adult life. And, um, and then, you know, there's a, there's another friend who used to, um, you know, just sort of, you know, live alone, I live with other people. And then she started to, uh, not live alone, but start to get her own place so that she can take care of her little brother. And that's also like another, like another experience, a whole different kind of like living. And yeah, she was talk- talking to me. She's like, oh, this, this is like, this is really good, but it's also kind of weird, you know? And I'm like, again, welcome to the adult life. It's going to be fun. Um, and so how can we feel autonomous in that sense? Because, you know, it can be really good, but it can also be kind of intimidating when, when we start or, you know, along the way, sometimes we kind of want to give up because we're like, oh, can someone just take charge? Because I'm too tired, you know? So how can we feel that sense of autonomy, but in a, in a positive way where we actually, we feel like we are in charge, we're taking control and it's not in, in the sense that we have to, but we can enjoy that journey a bit more because it's really directly to our well-being, right? So I, I think anything that we do, Sure, like we can do it, but if we can find a way to truly enjoy it and embrace it, it'll be so much better for our well-being. Yeah, and that's a great question. And I, I think that um, 
to answer the question, I, I think when people take on challenges, right, when they move from being, you know, from childhood to adulthood, and, you know, the biggest change there is, um, you know, adults are, are, are responsible. Um, they, they become responsible for themselves versus, you know, when we're children and we have, um, parents, um, or, you know, whoever's raising us, um, you know, they are there to be responsible parties to help us with, yep. with everything. So not that they go away and you can't get help, you know, when you become an adult, but, um, you know, it is, you know, you take on more responsibility. And I, I think that, um, what I would advise people to do is to recognize it's a journey and that it involves learning, you know, that, that, you know, you need to look at it as, as, as a learning experience, right. That something you'll, you'll, you'll learn through doing, um, and that, um, you need to, um, consider that it, you know, the, the, it will involve a certain amount of trial and error. You'll try this, you'll see how it works. You'll try that. You'll see how that works. Um, so I think, you know, when people, if people can acknowledge, Hey, this is a big challenge for me. It feels rather uncomfortable. Um, but sort of just try to break, break, break it down into certain tasks and realize this is a learning experience for me. I'm going to be learning and growing. And when we are in a, in a, in a mode where we're doing a lot of growing, a lot of learning and growing as people, um, it can be uncomfortable at times. We can feel, uh, full of doubt at times. So I think you need to explain to people that's okay. That's normal. That's a normal part of growing and, and learning. Yeah. Um, so don't think something's wrong, right? Um, you know, um, because you aren't sure what to do next. I would also say, you know, you know, you need, everyone needs a support system. So I don't want people to think that autonomy means that you have to figure everything out on your own and do everything on your own. Uh, no, I think you need to, to express your autonomy. You need to have, um, you know, a, a network of, of people that you can get support from. You can rely on people who actually maybe know more than you do about a certain topic. Yeah. And you can, you can call them up. You can have coffee with them. You can chat with them about, you know, well, so tell me about this and this, because I'm trying to learn about this. I don't know much about it. And I know, you know, a lot more than I do. So you need to have, um, people around you to help you, um, to gain more autonomy. Um, so in other words, you, you, you don't, you just don't arrive at autonomy and, um, you know, because you suddenly, you know, you're 20 years old, right. Um, it doesn't happen that way. It's, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a journey. It, 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 you learn as you go. Yeah. Um, but you do need, you do need a social network to, to help you, um, oh, along the way. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's kind of like me adulting as well. Cause I think when, cause I moved countries, you know, five, six years ago when I started my adulting journey in air quote, I moved country. And for the first time I don't have family around me. And then I was kind of like, so what do I do now? And it's really hard for me to ask for help. Now, do you, don't ask me why this goes back. This goes way back. It'll take therapy for me to understand, but I find it extremely hard to ask for help. And 
I enjoy autonomy. Like I, I love being autonomous, but then there was something that was kind of missing because I was kind of thinking, I'll do everything by myself. However, it doesn't work that way. The first time I moved house, somebody helped me. Now I cannot remember who helped me back in the day, but they offered the help and it was me who was hesitant to take it. But then I realized that, you know, me taking the help does not mean that I'm not being autonomous. They are just things that I need help with. And I cannot physically Absolutely. do that by myself. Yeah. No, that's a really, that's well, and that's a really important point. And what you did there in this example you, you just shared is you reframed it. Mm -hmm. You you reframed the whole thing. So you were looking, perhaps you were looking at um, getting help from someone as uh, being, uh, implying that you were dependent or that you, um, you know, you couldn't do something for yourself, but in fact, if you re if you reframe it, which you just did, to look at it from the standpoint of you are you are just seeking out someone and getting their perspective, you know, asking for their thoughts, their ideas, their perspective. You then get to choose whether you accept that, whether you you utilize that what that they've shared with you or not. So you're still always in yeah. autonomy mode yeah. and exercising your autonomy, but you actually are, you know, gathering information yeah. and knowledge. Yeah. Right. And 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 so to that extent, you you're you're much more powerful mm -hmm. um and and are able to be more more autonomous because, you know, you have access to all this really important information that you need. Yeah. So yeah. So 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 I think you know I think sometimes people you know dependency is seen by people as a bad thing, right? Like oh no, I I, I want to do this all by myself on my own. Yeah. I, I I don't want to feel dependent on anyone else. And I think that is um, you know that can be a very limiting, a very self limiting approach, right? Yeah. I mean, not that you can't get there doing it all completely yeah. on your own, but it may take you. It may take you much, much, much longer and yeah. be much harder than if you actually, you know, develop a network of people that support you and you can learn yeah. from. Yeah, so. totally. There are caveats to it for sure. And I think one more thing that is important is we can look at the complete opposite um, example where, you know, maybe someone does not know how to do anything by themselves. And for the first time, like you said, it's a journey, yes, and they have to go through trial and error. And I think I like to see it as experiential learning, but still for some people it is, it can be intimidating and daunting. And I can share some examples, not just, you know, young adults, but, you know, let's say people who are so used to being in a relationship and they're used to, they're so used to doing everything together and now they get out of that and they don't know who they are. It's kind of like going back to that Ken and Barbie example, you know, like I'm, I'm Ken, you know, I'm supposed to be with you. And there's really no, autonomy in, in that scenario where it's kind of like, oh, it's your life. You take charge of it. It's not that you are part of this um, like duo who, whatever or whatever that might be. Um, and so for a lot of people, it takes learning, you know? So on the one hand, there are people probably like me who just do not like to ask for help or find it hard to accept help from others because I like to do things myself. And then on the other hand, there are also people who are so used to doing things together with other people that they find it really, really hard, extremely hard to do things by themselves. So for those people, how can they, you know, how can they get started and how can they start to feel 
autonomous because it can be it can be daunting for younger people. It might be easier, but you know, for the older people, it might be kind of like it's it's actually really hard because you have to unlearn a lot. Well, you know, I would advise people like that. First of all, um, it helps if they are really able to see that and acknowledge it. So what you just shared, if they are able to say, if they're able to notice that for themselves and say, you know, I all too often um, don't speak up. I just go along with what everybody else yeah. is saying or doing. Um, and um, if they're able to notice that, mm -hmm. and also if they're able to talk about how it makes them feel, you know, as mm -hmm. they notice that, like what, why, and, and also understand why they do that. Why are they, why do they not, you know, um, voice their, their thoughts or feelings, um, you know, at, at times when they, when they could. Um, so, you know, there's exploration involved in, again, we're back to that whole thing of why is this happening? Why yeah. am I, why do I do this? Do, mm -hmm. you know, and I think if you can understand, if people can understand why they, a little bit, have yeah. a little insight into why they do it, you know, totally. that does help a, a bit, um, mm -hmm. you know, because they can say, well, I do it because I'm afraid if I say something that's really different from what everybody else is saying, that people won't like me or they won't accept me or they will look, look at me like there's something wrong with me or, right, or it will derail the whole process. And yeah. you know, who knows what, you know, people can have irrational fears about things, but I think the, so. The, so there's the insight piece to try to understand why is this happening. The second piece is putting some new practices, some new habits into place. So I would advise someone like that. Why don't you just focus on trying to speak up a little bit more, just one mm -hmm. time? Yeah. Right. Voice your thoughts. Voice your 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 concerns. Voice you know your opinion. Um. You know to to just hear yourself speak. Um speak up at times yeah. mm -hmm. and um but you to do that you need an independent point of view so sometimes you know people like that need to actually take a little more time to really think about how they really feel and what they really think because sometimes there are a lot of people believe it or not who just outsource all of their thinking to other people you yeah. know they don't they don't think independently they don't really they almost in some ways don't have an independent point of view. Um, yeah. And I would say, you know, that's something you should try to develop. Everyone should try to develop their own point of view. And, you know, through um, thinking and reflecting and reading and, you know, but what do you think about this? What do you feel about this? And if someone's can't, if, if someone has a really hard time describing that or stating what they think or they, they don't know what they think, you know, that means there's some work they need to do mm -hmm. to try to, um, you know, just, you know, draw themselves out more and let themselves come arrive at a, at a, at a point of view on things. Yeah. Um, and then work on having a little more confidence in voicing those concerns. So, you know, I, I, again, some people are too much the opposite end of the extreme, right? They are, they are um, constantly uh, voicing their opinions. They're 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 very uh, domineering, um, you know, highly opinionated. Um, you know, they rub people the wrong way because they're too much. And then on the other extreme that we're talking about are people who just 
you know, sort of go along to get along. Right. And that's the other extreme, which that's not good. That's not that's not good either. Yeah. So true. It's it's a sweet spot we need to find. I think. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's a balance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's not easy, but that that's why it's fun, because, you know, you get to you get to learn. This is like a new challenge to take on. Um, now, there's another aspect to this that I would love to hear your perspective on. Now, this is related to culture, because I think with my cultural background and with, you know, the history of how things are carried out in my family, for example, I feel the need to do everything by myself. And I enjoy that autonomy. For other people in other kinds of culture, um, maybe it's different. And we already covered, you know, like how, how they can deal with this. But what is the role of culture in in this? You know, because on the one hand, we have the individual who, who understands what's going on in their culture and can work on it. And on the other hand, we have the culture who, that's also going to keep influencing them. So it's kind of like this con continual relationship we have to look out for, right? Because the, the let's say the local area we live in, the cultural background we have, everything is so super interconnected to how we carry ourselves and how we manage our own autonomy. So what is that relationship and what is that role of culture? Well, it's huge. It, it, it determines a lot. Um, we're all embedded in various cultures that we're part of, right? In various social structures and relationships we have. So culture determines a lot. And, you know, the autonomy varies considerably from one culture to another. I mean, you know, some, some cultures, um, prize autonomy and, uh, you know, value it so much that they, they try to, uh, create, you know, enormous amounts of it. Other cultures, you know, it's not something that they value highly. You know, they, they actually, um, value more people being connected, um, you know, to family members, for example. Yeah. Um, so it, it, you know, it has a lot to do with also the strength of, of communities and, um, you know, so, you know, certain cultures, again, prize, um, the connection between family members and the strength of the bonds that exist within a community. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas other cultures are, you know, le much less. So the United States, for example, really is a culture that pride, pride prizes independence and autonomy to a yeah. very large degree. Um, and some have argued that to, you know, it's too extreme, uh, in the United States and the United States culture that, mm. um, you know, it, and so we have a lot of, you know, uh, issues here, uh, where people are, are isolated, yeah. um, issues where there's loneliness issues where, you know, people feel, um, uh, you know, a lot of despair, right. They, they kind of don't have access to their agency because they're so disconnected. You, you get people, you know, a lot of people, you know, you get a number of people using drugs and the so-called, um, deaths of despair that, um, is being written about in the U.S. Um, so, yeah. so, so you can again. We're back to what you mentioned, Lou, about balance. You know, this. Th you know, ideally, there's there's a balance between independence, autonomy, and um, versus connection yeah. and responsibility to, you know, to uh, uh, the the com a community of other people. So, 
But anyways, it's the role of culture to answer your question really simply. It's huge. It determines so much uh, of, yeah. you know, our relationship to its autonomy. Yeah. And you know, that reminds me of uh, what you mentioned earlier, Paul, uh, about the, the podcast and the, the whole concept of why is this happening? And I guess, you know, when we really think about ourselves that way, if, if this is the movie, why is it happening that way? Right. We look at we got to look at the backstory. Um, and culture is one of those aspects and understanding our own culture, uh, our cultural background, how our culture has shaped us um, is extremely important in this sense, because if we don't understand why, it, it's going to be really hard to change, whether it be, you know, you want to be a little bit more autonomous or um, you would like to be uh, autonomous just enough uh, and not so much that you distance yourself from everybody else. It, yeah, it's, I think it takes understanding your culture, your background, and goes back to all of that. Um, so when we have a sense of autonomy, obviously everything is great. Um, and we, we can do a lot of things for ourselves. And we want to have that sense of control in our lives. As you mentioned earlier, it's very basic. But what about a lack of a sense of autonomy? I don't think we've covered that. You know, what, what would happen if someone does not have a sense of autonomy at all well i think if if we if we see someone who has very little autonomy um you know it, it could be considered actually um you know a disorder right i mean they're in in the in the u.s and you know in psychology we we have a disorder called the dependent personality disorder and that's where a person is just so dependent mm-hmm. on 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 other people that mm-hmm. you know they have um, they have you know very little to no autonomy. So you, right. you can see that happening in relationships, in abusive relationships, where a person is um, you know living with a spouse, um, you know, or partner who is very abusive. Um, and we often ask for people who like you um, who have a healthy sense of autonomy. You know, you ask the question, why are they? Why is that person staying in that relationship? Well, because they've they've grown highly dependent, and they don't have a sense of autonomy. So, mm-hmm. so I think that you know, extreme cases of a lack of autonomy, um, you know, can lead to very unhealthy consequences, really bad outcomes. Um, but it also, you know, a lack of 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 autonomy. Um, can also just lead to not living an authentic life. I mean, you talked yeah. about people feeling like they're just being carried along. They're not really directing the yeah. events in their lives. Um, they're um, not perhaps um, making some of the choices, the bolder choices in their lives that they could make. Um, so, you know, ultimately, you know, people without autonomy um, can, can end up living someone else's life, like somebody else's dream. And, um, um, you know, again, the goal for all of us is to live a life that's consistent with our values and our interests and, um, and to create something positive in this world, you know, through expressing, you know, our values and, um, you know, and exploring our interests. So when people, and that's blocked, when people don't have the autonomy to do those things, you know, it's, um, they're not living authentic lives and they're not being creative. They're not, they're not having imaginative, interesting lives. And, you know, I I remember from a, 
uh, it was a, I think it was a TV series. I can't remember what series it was, but um, there was a line from it. It might have been a movie. I can't even remember what it was from. But someone said, "Well, you know, if you're not going to live your life, who's going to live your life? Mm. Who's going to live your life?" <laughs> right. If you're trying to live somebody else's life, somebody yeah. else's like dreams or hopes, but they're, yeah. you know, you're not living yours. Who's Definitely. going to live your life? And so yeah. it's really, it's sometimes a wake up call for people, you know, cause you know, it's, you know, a lot of times people think, Oh, I just, I just don't want to take any big actions. I I'm, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to disrupt things. I don't, yeah. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm worried. I, you know, and so, you know, I think sometimes people don't realize that, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of things they can do to act in their lives that help them create a life that, um, and then that momentum carries on, right? Sometimes it takes one, one bold action, one bold decision, and that creates something else and something else. And, you know, they end up creating a whole new life for themselves that, yeah. um, becomes very meaningful. And, mm -hmm. but you know, anyway, it does relate to resiliency. Cause I think there's a lot of people who they want to try to play it really safe. They yeah. don't want to take any risk, you know, because totally. risk makes them anxious and worried. And so, you know, if they feel like if they just keep going along very, uh, with the flow, um, that's the safe thing to do, but really that's not so safe because the reality is they could end up if they keep doing that over too long a period of time, not living their life, not living, yeah. you know, the life they could live or should probably live. Um, that's, you know, based on who they are. So anyways, so yeah, lack of autonomy can over a little, over a long haul have a lot of negative consequences. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think it's, it's kind of hard for for some to understand that they are not in charge and they're not in control because you know the the quote that you mentioned from that movie or that TV series hit home really hard because I I'm sure quite a few people can relate with oh I'm doing this because my parents told me to do so oh I'm doing this because my partner told me to do so I'm doing this because my friends told me to do so and so what exactly did you want to do had no one told you what to do, right? It's kind of like, it's a realization, you know, and sometimes it takes years to realize because, you know, you, you're kind of going with um, your, your days and you, you hear advice from people and you're kind of like, okay, I'm taking in all this information and making decisions for myself, but are you really? So that's kind of, you know, that's where it's really hard to distinguish between making the decision for yourself, um, be, being autonomous and doing things yourself versus, doing things yourself with the influence of others and it's not really authentic so not not really living an authentic life and i think the the concept of living an authentic life and being your authentic self have emerged you know it, it's been around a bit more recently and i'm really glad that people have started to talk about it so autonomy mindset clearly is so important for us to to live that authentic life so how can people start to develop this autonomy mindset or work on it a bit further you know because we all have our, our, our sense of autonomy. It's not that we don't have it. It's just maybe sometimes we need to nurture it a bit more. And for some people, it's it's starting from scratch. So how can we all do that? You know, it's a good question. I, I think that um, my, my suggestion here is for people to pause and reflect more 
on what they really are thinking and feeling. And to, what, I, what I mean by that is unplug, you know, um, you know, get off of all your devices, um, just sit quietly and, and notice where your thoughts go, where, how are you feeling? Um, think about what, where your life is, what you'd like to change. Um, and, uh, you know, get quiet, you know, be, be, be quiet and reflective. Um, I think a lot of people don't do that enough. And, um, I think that interferes with them making these bolder choices and expressing their autonomy. And again, you know, kind of creating these authentic lives. So, um, I think also questioning things more, um, you know, I think when people have an autonomy mindset, they question, um, not just why is this happening, which is always a good question, but they, 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 they also question, you know, the direction other people are moving in. Because one thing people often don't appreciate is that human beings are herd animals, right? We, we think of ourselves as, um, you know, super special top of the food chain, you know, we don't think of ourselves as similar to, um, you know, other animals on the planet. Um, and we are in fact herd animals. We, we follow each other. I mean, so you, you can see this, you know, with trends, right? We, we think about what, you know, what, 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 what is sort of trending now? Well, a lot of that's herd instinct. It's like, oh, well, you know, she's doing it and he's doing it. And well, I'm going to start doing that. Why not? And so you get a lot of people um, just following the herd. And I think to develop a good, true autonomy mindset, you have to question things more. You have to say, you know, why why would I follow that? Why why would I get involved in that? Is that really mm-hmm. for me? Is that is that really um, does that really work for me given my values and my interests? Um, and so I think truly developing a, a, an autonomy mindset requires you to question things. I think it's also help, healthy. Uh, well, it helps to in developing an autonomy mindset to be around similar people, people who do question things more, think about things more deeply, reflect on things a bit more. Because um, if you're around people who just all they do is follow the crowd and do what everyone else is doing, um, you know, yeah. you're not going to learn. You're not going to learn very much from. So true. So, so that's what I would say. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is so true. I think those are really great tips there because um, I guess, especially in this this day and age of social media too, you know, you kind of you see a lot of information, and sometimes you don't have that filter turned on. Like, you know, it's it's not like a website where you can just click the filter. Like, I want to see this and that. Your mind is different. It's it's cluttered with so many different things, and if you don't really stop to think or to apply the filter at all times, you. Yeah, unknowingly get influenced. And I think I myself, I'm going to have to do this work too because I realized that maybe a lot of the choices that I made recently is because I've been influenced by things that I've seen or people that I've interacted with. Um, and, you know, next part, we have the the practice section where we get a bit more practical, uh, but you kind of mentioned a few things that are practical already. Now, um, if you have something new that you can share with people to cultivate an autonomy mindset or something you do personally, that'll be great. Um, otherwise, we can just drill into one of the practices that we you've already shared just now. Um, you know, 
I would, what I would share as a practice that I think helps a lot with building, cultivating autonomy is something I call, um, positioning myself as a learner mm. and, you know, to position yourself as a learner means that you, um, you, you, you sort of try and assess what you know, what you don't know. You also try to um, understand and define your assumptions, what assumptions you may have. So as humans, we're constantly faced with new uh, situations um, that require us to make sense of, of. And, you know, a lot of times we're in learning, we should be in learning mode. We should always position ourselves to learn. Um, and a lot of times people don't do this. They assume they know more than they do. Um, they don't ask enough questions. Um, they, um, they rely more on their assumptions and their beliefs, um, to kind of carry them forward. And so there's a missed opportunity to, um, you know, to really fully embrace their autonomy because they're not they're not really learning. I mean, they haven't really learned enough um, to kind of make the the best choices for themselves. So I one of the practices that I utilize a lot is, and I advise this to all the leaders I work with, and sometimes I work with leaders who are very smart people with a lot of experience. Sometimes they may be the most experienced or even the smartest person in the room, but I encourage them to position themselves as learners with other people. And so ask other people, what do they think? What do they see? What are they concerned about? Um, because invariably, I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much you know, you can always learn more. And so, so that's one habit or, or a practice that I think really does build autonomy is don't assume you know everything you need to know yeah. and really actively position yourself uh, to learn um, you know, in, in, you know, through every day in your life, as you go through your life, ask people questions, draw them out, find, ask them to share what they, what they see. You don't have to agree with it. Um, you know, and you may not, you know, you, it, but, but I do think that, um, that's a really good practice. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think that's a great practice. And, um, you know, if, if someone was to position themselves as a learner, how often should they do this? Should they do this you know, weekly? I would, daily? I would say they should do it. I should they do. I think they should do it daily. I think they yeah. should be. It should become a, a a routine practice that they think uh, about, especially when they're dealing with a more complicated situation. Um, mm-hmm. And they should ask themselves the question: yeah. What information? What information do I need here? Mm-hmm. What do I need to? What do I need to learn? Yeah. Um, who might, where can I get that information or that learning from? Do I get it from a book? Do I get it from another person? Um, and, um, and you know, how do I make sure that my assumptions and, and any, um, beliefs, preconceived beliefs I have, how do I make sure those don't derail the process? Because, you know, we all operate largely, uh, humans largely operate on assumptions and beliefs yeah. and, and that can really get in our way. Yeah, totally. Oh, what a great practice. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, now we are 
sort of almost done. But before we let you go, we have open mic. So as I said earlier to you, this is your forum to talk about anything that you would like to, to share with our audience that we might have not covered. It doesn't necessarily have to be about the topic, you know, especially if you have other passions that you would like to share or any projects that you are interested in, um, you know, talking about today. So the floor is all yours, Paul. Go for it. Yeah, I just what I would say is um, I'm working on a project right now uh, in terms of Gen Z, the Gen Z population. And as they transition into uh, adulthood and into work, uh, you know, what are some of the obstacles they face, challenges they face? Um, what do organizations need to know about how best to um, facilitate this generation coming into the workforce so that they can make a contribution? Um, and what does Gen Z as a, as a, as, as a population group, uh, what do they need to develop more of um, in order to, like you said, Lou, at the beginning of our session today, uh, you know, to, to become responsible adult, to, be, to, be, to, to basically gain access to their agency, um, and um and become you know more autonomous um so so i'm working on that project i'm just starting it and i'm very excited about it i'll be interviewing a lot of people um and learning more about what are some of the specific challenges that uh, you know this this generation is experiencing as as they enter the workforce yeah. and what would help what would help help them to be more successful Wow, that sounds amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think it's an yeah, interesting absolutely. project. I'm keen to find out more about the results because uh, yeah. yeah, Gen Z is definitely a, a different generation, very different from the previous ones. And I, I wonder how they think, how they function and how they are going to work in the future. It, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a different kinds of um, lives that they're going to have and also different kinds of workforce because there are so many new jobs that they've sort of just created. You know? Absolutely. No, it's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of jobs that they're actually going to have haven't even been created yet. Right. I mean, there's yeah, exactly. And that's new jobs uh, being created all the time. Yeah. Uh, that'll be fascinating. Well, thank you so much for being here, Paul. And for our audience, we'd like to find out more about your work. Where should they go? Uh, the best place for them to go, uh, the easiest place for them to go is to powerofagency.com. It's a website. Um, that has information on the concept of agency, also information on the book uh, that that I co-wrote. Um, and uh, I would encourage them to do, to your audience to look more into how to develop greater agency in their lives. Because again, it really does relate directly to um, the capacity to kind of create a life on your own terms, which is yeah. what we're really all trying to do it's it's again live our, our 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 own most authentic life and you know create a life on our terms so yeah, yeah so go to the website powerofagency.com and uh drop me a line let me know what you think awesome well thank you so much and um i think it's been a really eye-opening conversation the great reminders and yeah I, I hope that our audience will walk away with uh, at least one new thing today which is to learn every day and to reevaluate why they think what they're thinking. Good. I hope so. I hope so. Thanks so much for having me, Lou. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm glad. You have been listening to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast 
produced by the Wellbeing Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 Life Management Perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website, we.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Lu Ngo. Thanks for tuning in.